Tonight's reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 11, entitled Concerning Spiritual Gifts. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Lovely to be with you all tonight. Look, there's a fan going here. You do treat me well. Um, Fantastic. Um, Thank you for coming, and we're going to look at that passage in a little bit of detail, so if you want to keep it open in the Bibles that you've got or on your phone, uh, that would be fantastic. Uh, Let me start off by saying something really obvious, uh, but nonetheless important. Um, The best football teams are are not just made up of strikers. So if you you have 11 strikers on the pitch, you're going to do terrifically well a small percentage of the time, and the rest of the time is going to be a disaster. You're definitely going to be liable uh, to suffer on the counter-attack. In the same way, uh, the band leading the worship tonight, amazing band, If they were all drummers, it would just give a certain feel to it, wouldn't it? And it would be quite exciting. Uh, And if you were at Hope Church last week, uh, we had some incredible drumming that sort of of shook the foundations of the building. But if all we had, musician-wise, were drummers, then our music would be lacking something. The very best season of life and witness and worship here at Christ Church over the next however many years it is, think what it would be like if this church was just full of Simon clones. Think of the, think of the horror. Andrew, you're right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Think, think of the horror. Think of the terror. Uh, think of all the things that wouldn't happen. Things of the things that even if they did happen would go terribly, terribly wrong. Good teams, good bands, Good churches need a diversity of gifts. A good football team needs someone great in goal, needs fantastic solid defense. When I was at um, Theological College, I got goal of the year uh, for our football team for an own goal that I scored from outside our penalty area. But that's uh, <laughs> another story. So, you know, you need, you, need, you, need, you need a fantastic active midfield. You need brilliant people up front. Great bands need the the kind of diversity that we see here. Great churches need a diversity of gifts. And it's absolute disaster 
if a church ever gets into the situation where it just has a few really keen people up the front charging around, just wearing themselves out by doing more and more and more, and everyone else is sat back watching and clapping and impressed. It's a disaster. It's not how the church is supposed to be. And we're going to look very briefly at what the church should be. If you look at verses 4 to 7 of chapter 12, it just says the same thing again and again. There are different kinds of gifts, the same Spirit. Different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's God at work. Really simple point. There is a diversity of gifts that God gives across his church. So the gift he gives to me is different to the gift he gives to you, but he gives you a gift and he gives me a gift. That means, breaking news, we are not all the same. We are unique. And so there will be some service at this church that only you can bring. And so therefore it won't happen without you. There will be some people both within the church and outside the church, that only you can reach. And so if you don't reach them, they won't be reached. There is a great diversity of of gifts, but there is the same spirit that inspires them. Now, what should happen is that this should lead to our celebrating and respecting the gifts of others. And so for me personally, when I, when I stand here and I join in the worship of the church, I, am, I praise God and thank God for the gifts of the musicians, the gifts of the sound team at the back, all the people that are making things happen, that they are willing to give their gifts uh, so generously and to work so hard uh, to raise all of our spirits uh, together. So what should happen is that we should learn to respect and celebrate the gifts of others. What can happen is that we go one of two ways. We either, we either think that we've got a gift, and so the gift that other people have doesn't really matter quite so much, because obviously we're at the center of the universe, and so we look down on the gifts that other people have, and we think, well, you know, they're sort of trying. They're not being particularly helpful. They're not really doing anything like I'm doing things. Or, just as bad, we're jealous of other people. And so you, you, you take someone like Louise, and think, my goodness, you know, Louise, like she's an amazing person, and she's brilliant to talk to and pray with, and she comes up front and she speaks so eloquently, amazingly. I could never be like Louise. And so we end up being jealous or just watching from afar the gifts of others. The New Testament says that there is a massive diversity of gifts in this room. Every single one of us is different, but it's the same Spirit that has given those gifts to us. These are gifts of grace that come from the Holy Spirit. They're not gifts given to us because we're special or because we're particularly important in God's eyes. They're gifts from a generous God who loves to give. But it does presume that all of us are having a continuing encounter with God's Spirit, both here when we come together for communal worship, but also in our life day to day as we start or end each day in prayer and worship, as we give ourselves and our gifts and our day over to God, saying to God by His Spirit, please give me the gifts 
that I need to honor and serve you today. So if you remember nothing else about this passage, it is simply this, that in the church there is this huge diversity of gifts, all given by the one Spirit. The second thing that Paul says is there in verse 7. And again, I love this passage because it's so beautifully clear. He says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Not to focus on that phrase, for the common good. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts not primarily to help us feel fulfilled or to help us feel that we're living a good life. Those are sometimes lovely byproducts of the Spirit's gifts to us. And so there are moments in every Christian's life where they've just got that thrill of doing the thing that God made them to do. And those are wonderful moments. But that's not the primary purpose that the Holy Spirit gives gifts to the church. The primary purpose is other people. So we serve not primarily to feel good about our life, but we serve for the good of others, for the good of the community, for the good of the city that we live in, and for the glory of God. That's the reason that we serve. But some Christians get slightly down a blind alley and they think, I should be thrilled and and should be enjoying every moment of service that I do. And that's basically just making yourself the king again and taking that position from God. The reason we serve is for the common good and not to boost our ego. And when we serve, we are giving ourselves to something bigger. We're giving ourselves to the kingdom of God. And that will inevitably require some sacrifice and some generosity on our part. Sometimes it will feel great Other times it will feel uh, like hard work, but we are serving uh, for the common good. Now we're going to start an an exercise, we're going to start it today, and we're going to do it for the next couple of weeks. It is called uh, We Are the Church, and you'll see that at the back uh, there are some blue posters, and at the side over there there are some orange ones, and the other side over there there are some pink ones. Now this is not an exhaustive list. Uh, But this is a summary of some of the key areas in which we are serving as a church and in which we, as the congregation, need to express this truth that every single person has a gift and every single person is called to use that gift. The blue ones back there are really about what we do on a Sunday. So they're the kind of Sunday-focused ones. Which ones are over there, Elliot? Is that the... Can't see in the lights. That's the in the city. So these ones there are about what we do in the city and beyond the city. These ones over here on that side, the pinky ones, are things that happen here in the church on a midweek. So we sort of group them very roughly into three different areas, and there'll be the chance later in the service and other times in the next few weeks, just in a sense to do two things. Firstly, to look around them and just think, oh my goodness, I didn't know that the church was doing this many things. But also to begin to think, what could I do with the gifts that I have, however small they are, however insignificant uh, you feel you are, how could I be part of one of these teams and the amazing things uh, that they do? 
If you look at verses 8 to 11, you will see that there is there a list of some of the gifts that Paul is talking about, and he lists, he lists various different ones. In other parts of the New Testament, there are other lists, and they're totally different from this list here. So in the New Testament, uh, when this kind of thing is talked about, there's often a list, and it has very different things on it. So I think it just goes to prove what a huge diversity of gifts uh, the Spirit uh, gives to us. So if you go to Romans 12, verses 4 and 5, you'll find a very different list. If you go to Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 13, again, you'll find a very different list. If you go to 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11, you'll find a very different list. But all of those lists are, in sense, attempts by the person that's writing to say the same truth, what a diversity of gifts that we have, but also to say that each of us has different gifts, and so therefore we celebrate the diversity, we encourage other people, and we say to ourselves, and we help others to help us say, what is God calling me to do now with the gifts and the time that I have available? When I was in my early 20s, I spent a long time, probably six months altogether, reading those four lists. So the one we've read tonight, the one from Romans, the one from 1 Peter, and the one from Ephesians 4. And just praying and saying to God, you know, what is it you want me to do with my life? And what are the gifts that you have given to me? And I prayed and I read and I talked to other people, I talked to people that knew me well. At that time I was working for the British Red Cross. And I became clearer and clearer and clearer in my own mind that God had given me a gift of leadership and a gift of being a teacher. And it was through that experience that eventually I went to the Church of England and said, here I am, what can you do with me? Um, and very foolishly they said, come in, come in, come in. Um, so, and here I am today. And so I just really encourage you, it is part of the basic life of every Christian to look at these lists and to examine your own heart and to say what are the gifts that God has given me and how in this place at this time whatever's happening in my life how can I offer myself uh, to be part of something bigger how can I be uh, working and serving with Holy Spirit given gifts for uh, the common good now, one question uh, before uh, we finish, which I hope you'll find important. So it's a question that I quite often find myself either thinking about or discussing with other people. And the, that question is, uh, what, if at all, is the difference uh, between a natural gift and a spiritual gift? So here, Paul talks about spiritual gifts. Well, what, what is a spiritual gift compared to maybe other gifts uh, that we might think of ourselves having um, and so therefore you might think there are some people and I'm not one of them particularly um, who are naturally organized put your hand up if you're naturally organized yes yes if you be fantastic okay uh, I'm not 
really. And so, so if you're naturally organized, you, you, you can feel maybe, well, if I'm naturally organized, then I need to go into a part of the life of the church where I can make things happen and I can use those skills and I can use that mindset that I have. I can organize things in a way that other people can't. And, and so that's maybe what we think. I just want to shed a little bit of light on that if I can. First of all, we believe, I think as Christians, that all of our gifts come from God. Whether they're what you might call a gift of personality, that's sort of just the way you are intrinsically in yourself, whether it's a gift that you says you've, that's come from how you've been nurtured, you know, your school, your parents, the people that have invested in you, have, have bought out gifts in you, or whether it's a gift that has become more apparent when you've come to faith. And sometimes when people come to faith, they discover whole new gifts that are actually quite different from the person that they were before. But the first and most important thing to say is that we believe that all gifts come from God. And so therefore, all of us have the responsibility to use those gifts for God. I want to give you two examples. The first one comes in, uh, in Exodus chapter 31. Exodus 31 tells us about this fantastic person called Bezalel. And Bezalel is described as a skilled craftsman. Now, uh, that seems to be a natural gift that Bezalel had. And I presume that it was one that he nurtured, so he would have gone to skilled craftsman school, and he'd have been an apprentice, and he would have learned from other people how to be a skilled craftsman. I could never be a skilled craftsman. You could train me for years and years and years, and I would still break things and not make things very beautiful. That's just who I am. That's who Bezalel was. But then the Old Testament in Exodus describes Bezalel as being filled with the Holy Spirit. And when he's filled with the Holy Spirit, it is in order that he can make things of great beauty for the worship of the temple. So God takes this gift that he already has and in a sense breathes his life into it. And through his use of that gift, Bezalel is able to bring glory to God and is able to encourage other people with his representations of beauty and worship. So I love the fact that when the Spirit comes on Bezalel, what it does is it, it takes those natural, artistic, creative, imaginative gifts and it allows him to use it for God's glory. And maybe that is or will be your experience, that you've come to Christian faith with a set of gifts or a set of passions and so what this time of your life is about is saying to God, these are the gifts I think I have, but please breathe the life of your spirit, the spirit of Jesus that brings with it compassion and self-control and tenderness and gentleness, but above all, a desire to see glory going to God and not glory going to me. So if you look back at some of the greatest composers certainly of the 16th, 17th, and 18th century, they used to, often at the end of their manuscripts, they used to write SDG, which in Latin meant just for the glory of God. So these great composers like Bach and Beethoven, they'd compose this thing that we would think of as absolutely amazing. And having finished it, they just would say, I just want this to be for God's glory. And that's what can happen when we take 
our natural gifts that we shouldn't be ashamed of because God has given them to us and we just hand them to God and we say, God, please breathe your spirit into what I offer. But it would also be true to say another interesting example would be the life of Saul who became Paul, who wrote this letter that we're reading now. Uh, Saul, when he, became, he changed his name when he became a Christian from Saul to Paul. And when he became a Christian, he, his background was that he came from a wealthy Jewish family that was really, like, been to university, was very articulate, was very learned, was brilliant at arguing and debating with people. And so he was convinced when he was first converted that his big job was going to be to convert other people who were wealthy, high-ranking, high-born, intelligent Jews. That's what he thought his great life story was going to be. And the Holy Spirit kept saying to him, no, that's not where I'm going to send you. Where I'm going to send you is to Gentile people. Now, for him as a Jew, that would have been a big thing to ask because his natural self would have been really against that. But again and again and again, the Spirit said to him, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. And he became the person that took the gospel to Turkey and to Greece and to Spain and finally to Rome. So he had a certain set of expectations as to what his ministry was going to be under God. And the Holy Spirit said, nah, I've got a different plan altogether. And so when we're doing all of these things, we need to be ready for God to say, I, Simon, I love all these gifts that you have, but actually I want to give you a new set of gifts and I want to take you in a new direction. And we have to be ready to serve him in that way. So, as a church, we would just implore you to give prayerful consideration and to talk with other people and to ask, what are my gifts? And at this season of my life, how can I make them available for God, uh, for the common good? Uh, then, just to pray. And to pray for the filling of the Spirit. And to pray remembering that God gives us this huge diversity of gifts. So it's not that you should become a Jack or a Louise or an Elliot. It's not that you've got to copy and mimic other people. You've got to find the gifts that the Spirit has given you and then offer them and grow in them and thrive in your use of them, all for the common good. This passage's view of the church is as a dynamic and diverse powerhouse where every Christian is aware of the gifts that God has given them and they're using those Holy Spirit gifts together with other people for the common good. It is an incredibly exciting vision of the church. It's an incredibly compelling vision of the church. It can happen, it does happen, it will happen here, but it's up to you. Amen.